the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. Sort of feels like Groundhog Day. Why does it feel like Groundhog Day? Uh, like today, my day felt like yesterday, and perhaps the day before. I just. Well, I'm sorry about that because today's no, it's supposed good. to be completely unique and, you know, like a gift unopened. <laughs> well, I'm just saying the process thereof. You know what that means, Mike? Hmm. What does that mean, Kathy? He's bored with us. No, 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 I, no. Ah, yeah, you're probably right. No, 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 no I'm fine. Are you bored with this show? I'm not. I'm 100%. Uh, He's wishing for a new co host and a new producer. Excited, even as we speak. Yeah, yeah. engaged, fully. You know, you know what I'm excited about? Tell me. Having my windows open. I was sitting in the car today on McKnight Road with my windows open. That was nice. Because I could. How about yeah? earlier today uh, when the sun was shining so bright, I got out of my car. It felt like spring. Like 10 o'clock. Yeah, Listen, exactly. I went outside. I think it was 9. Birds were singing. Mm-hmm. It was like it had it, it, everything was wet. I don't know if it had just rained or it was just still leftover snow or whatever. But it was like. Lovely. It was like April 30th mm-hmm. after a spring rain. Yeah. Oh, I never believed in seasonal depression until today. <laughs> Why? Were you depressed today or when the nice no, day it, was here? It, it, yeah, when the nice day was here, I'm, I was so happy. Of course. It's gorgeous. It's Holy beautiful. Smokes. Yeah. Well, Pittsburgh, um, uh, there's a, a list of the 50 worst cities to live in in America. And uh, despite our, our brutality of uh, winter weather. We are not on the list. Thank goodness. We are not. Yes. We are not. I love it. We've been on so many lists lately, and for good things. I was afraid you were going to say no, that we made no, a bad not, list. Not even close. Of course not, because no. there's just nothing bad to be said. It's from USA Today. Where we were they... having some problems with our sports teams. <laughs> can you believe Matt Murray's hurt again, Mike? Upper body injury. I can't believe that. I yeah. can't. Can you... What's that mean, Too upper bad. body injury? That means we're keeping it from you. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, that's okay. And, uh, you know, sports comes and goes, right? But we're going to stay here regardless. You going anywhere? You traveling? Uh, if I was planning a big vacay, I promise I'd let you know. Okay, please, because I, I need you to stick around for a while. I am going to go to the strip tomorrow. Do you need to know that? Uh, no, I know that you do the strip on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Weekly, as a matter of fact. Right? You go to Woolies. I am going to go to Woolies. Nice. Are you? Mm-hmm. Every Friday. Then do you get fresh? Do you eat fresh fish on Fridays? We eat fresh fish every Sunday. Sunday. So you mm-hmm. buy it Friday. Let it. Sometimes sit. I buy it Saturday if I'm not able to make it there Friday. Choosing what type of fish? Well. I eat, I go back and forth between – well, I'm committed to whatever looks the best to me well, with my I, untrained eye. But when you look – when you eye. walk in Woolies, I mean everything looks the best. Yeah, no, because some things look better than others. I mean – Some days the Atlantic salmon won't look as good as the cod, and so I would pick cod. Or sometimes the tuna looks especially good, and then other times not so much. Right. Or okay. the swordfish is worth the money, or it's not. Given your druthers. Given my druthers, if I everything would, looked all if the everything same. everything looked the same – 
if I was just concerned about me, yeah. it would be Scottish salmon. Scottish salmon. Mm-hmm. Why not the um, the Atlantic? Yeah, the Atlantic is farm raised. Mm-hmm. Scottish salmon's wild caught, and you can taste the difference between farm raised. It's just I don't know if I can taste the difference between because one's farm raised or not. I all I know is that it is the most essentially salmon taste. Salmon taste. I, I, that is That's not a, a salmon. It's a porpoise, isn't it? <laughs> So we are not eating, or it's or it's a bird. Yeah, well, no, I think it's a. It was a dolphin. It's flipper. Oh, good. I'm not going to eat that dolphin. We are pro family, uh, <laughs> pro fish. Okay, tell me about these cities. Okay, uh, okay. So uh, USA Today was was part of this study to identify the best cities to live in. Twenty four seven USA Today and the Wall Street Journal created a weighted index of twenty five measures that fall into four categories as they looked at these fifty cities: okay. affordability, economy, quality of life, and community. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at measures like um, health care and drug overdoses and rents and median income to buy and a, a lot of different things. Now, um, fifty. I'll, I'll just do. The 50th worst city uh, on the list. Oh, we're going to the bottom end. I'm ready. Cleveland. No, we have to do like the number one worst city. But I'm saying from the far end. Oh, so these are all worst cities. Oh, yeah. Oh, 50- I thought I thought you were saying that you they, there was like the very top was the best and the very bottom was the worst. No, these are all bad. No, yeah. Every one of these is bad. Yeah. This I mean, is okay. Great. The number one worst city. I'll go there. No. Okay. But, but don't. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So the the 50th worst city, Beverly Hills, Florida. Okay, so this let me just get used to the methodology. Population of nine thousand people, poverty rate is thirty two point nine percent, which is in the top ten percent of the country. Twenty seven violent crimes per one hundred thousand people not available. Median home value is sixty three thousand dollars, which is in the mm. bottom ten percent of the okay. country. Beverly Hills is one of the poorest cities in Florida. The typical household earns just $26,000 a year, less than half of the $57,000 typical American household. Low incomes are reflected in the city's real estate values. Low property value is also likely a product of relatively few entertainment and cultural attractions in the city. The city has a far lower concentration of bars, restaurants, theaters, and museums than in typical nationwide. Okay, so that's sort of a, a snapshot. I didn't know there was a Beverly Hills, Florida. 49 is Bridgeport, Connecticut. And you think any place in Connecticut, Connecticut would be kind has of to tony. be like high dollars. Orange, Gro- Orange Cove, California, 48. Arvin, California, 47. Asbury Park, New Jersey, oh, the boss. Isn't that a sad. When's the last time you were in Asbury Park? Never. Oh, okay. You never? Never. Okay. I was just there a couple really? years ago. Every. We we have vacationed at a uh, a place that's kind of close to Asbury Park in the Jersey Shore, so I always bike down there. Is that Avon on the pier? Uh, Avon by the sea. By the sea, okay. Avon by the sea. Anyway, uh, it is like a relic from 1930. In a good way or a bad way? In a bad way, but in a like the the beauty of the original. You can imagine in your head. Oh, so you know, like, good bones. Right. I mean, the buildings were built when Sinatra was such a big deal in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. you know, when Sammy Davis was coming in. Right, and, right. So, it, you know, I think those buildings were probably built in the – they look like Art Deco, so maybe late 20s really? and then all the way through the 50s and 60s. That really? was like the place to be, right? Was Sammy Davis at Asbury Park? I don't I'm know. Sure. <laughs> I'm guessing he was. Oh, okay. I mean, that was – I mean, that was – But big, I get it, right? That was, those were big stage shows. Oh, that, sure they and, were. You know, yeah. Atlantic City was the up-and-coming place. Heck yeah. Or not really up-and-coming, but the place to be yeah not anymore it is just shocking what it's like now anyway but it's still fun to bike around okay so uh, a lot of these places plus it's huge city corruption by the way thank you (laughs) just wanted to add in that it wasn't just that sinatra and sammy davis left that's not why the whole place crashed (laughs) the asbury park update by kathy evans (laughs) 
Welcome. Okay. How about uh, Desert Hot Springs, California? I mean, all these places sound lovely. Number 44, one of the worst cities to live in. Taft, California. Douglas, Arizona. Um, let me go. Let me go. Oh, let me go. The uh, top ten worst cities to live in. Okay. Would that be all right. I'm ready. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, for sure. Because you know, Asbury. I, I want to see. <laughs> I want to see you drill down into other these. <laughs> like, you, like you drill down into Asbury. Uh, Avernal, California. There's number ten. Okay. Anniston, Alabama. Number nine. Mm-hmm. Wanani, Hawaii. Number eight. How bad can it be in Hawaii? Uh, apparently pretty bad. You're making your population of 13,000. Poverty rate is 27.0. Wow. Violent crime rate per 100,000 people not available. Median home value, $340,000. I mean, that's what? the Crimea River. What? Jeez. And it's about, uh, Wanani, Hawaii, one of the few cities on the list with a higher median income than the U.S. as a whole. Typical household earns 60000 a year or $2,630 more than the typical American household. Bigger paychecks are not nearly enough to cover the high cost of living. Mm. Goods and services in the area are 61.4% more expensive than they are on the average nationwide. The high cost of living imposes an especially heavy burden on the relatively large share of Wanani residents living below the poverty Mm. line. Got it. That's rough. That's hard when you're in an island economy. is such a really whole different thing. Number seven, Bastrope, Louisiana. Number six, Bessemer, Alabama. Number five, Highland Park, Michigan. Mm. Number That's around Flint, isn't it? F- yep. Number four, Makaha, Hawaii. Again. Again. Uh, number three, California City, California. Number two, Florida City, Florida. <laughs> These are people who ran out of ideas when they were naming their towns. And the worst, the worst city to live in in America is a place called Mendota, California. Port Mendota, California. That's an auspicious title to have. They probably won't have T-shirts made. Medium home value is one hundred forty thousand dollars. Poverty rate is forty nine point five percent. Violent crime is, uh, oh boy, uh, just over the top. Six hundred forty six violent crimes. Top twenty five percent. Here's what they say. For both individuals and broad populations, incomes tend to rise with educational attainment. In Medota, California, just one point. One percent of adults have a bachelor's degree. Wow, that's sad. Well, I mean, so if you're on the list, right? If you're city government of all these, the worst fifty places to live in America, you take it to heart and try to turn things around. How? I don't know. City of Mendota. I just looked it up here. Yeah, I'm do on. a little Google Google map and take a look at it. Yeah. That's hard. I mean, that'd be a it's hard, like, especially because it's the cantaloupe center of the world. Oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in the heart of California Central Valley. You were there. I was there. Right? Mm-hmm. Located yeah. in Fresno County. It has much to offer its residents and visitors, according to their website. But it's just really poor. Mm. Listen, I was there a couple of years ago with Save the Children. It's a, such a beautiful area. The bread basket. The I've fruit never, basket. I've never been in that part of California. Middle of California. Okay, uh, we got a big show for you. Holy smokes, do we ever. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, Bill Glaze is with us. Bethany Baptist Church in Homewood. He's going to talk about ants, which I love. We're also going to talk about kind thoughts, increasing your immune system, mm-hmm. and uh, National Fettuccine Alfredo Day. Nice. And let's throw in some Gucci and Prada and some Adidas as well. We got ourselves a show. Stick around. 
101.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends with the music spotlight this weekend on the Newsboys. God's not dead, he's surely alive. We're getting ready for Winter Jam on February 15th by featuring the greatest hits of one of Christian music's most enduring bands. Listen for your favorite Newsboys songs and chances to win tickets to see Newsboys United at Winter Jam at PPG Paints Arena. Your favorite Newsboys songs, Newsboys ticket and CD giveaways, a Newsboys weekend, and Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music sponsored by Trinity Jewelers on 101.5 WORD. Before I came to RPTS, I was a church planter and pastor for 22 years, and I found a lot of confusion about what really constitutes a church. Dr. Barry York, president of RPTS. In the Protestant Reformation, they really discussed the essential marks of the church. They identified free from the scriptures, the faithful preaching of God's word, the right administration of the sacraments, and the proper exercise of church discipline, expecting God's people to follow Christ and live a holy life. The way that I see that tying into the ministry of RPTS is we want, first and foremost, our ministers to know what a church is and what the church really needs, so how to develop the preaching ministry, why we practice the sacraments, how to properly care for God's people as they come into a congregation that you exercise proper oversight of them. The church needs servants like you. Are you ready? Visit rpts.edu and study under pastors. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse to see what you're planning for the love of your life besides a hug around the neck. Well, we've got something fun planned for Valentine's Day. Let me tell you about it. We'll turn down the lights, light the candles, bring out the china, and serve you the yummiest, home-cooked, farm-fresh, four-course meal you ever tasted. Wedding soup, reunion salad, grilled marinated flank steak, Mediterranean stuffed chicken breasts, pearls, potatoes, and your choice of homemade Springhouse cheesecake or pie for dessert. Oh, and I can't forget, coffee and pink lemonade. Our talented piano player will be on board to serenade you, too. So call to reserve your spot or just come on out to the farm for a Valentine's Sweetheart Dinner at the Springhouse in 84 PA. Reserve your Sweetheart Dinner date for Valentine's Day, 5 to 8.30 p.m. Thursday, February 14th at 724-228-3339 or at springhousemarket.com. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. That's a beautiful song, isn't it? I heard that's Bill Glaze's favorite song. Hey, Bill. It's a rumor I heard. That's hey. some, that's some good taste on your end, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 
uh, I wasn't ready for that question, but that was uh, the first one that popped in my mind. Well, that's a good pop. Mm-hmm. Very nice. That's the way New Mike is. He just asks you the question you're not expecting so mm-hmm. that he can get the most authentic right. answer. Yeah. I mean, a little later on yeah, in the show, we're, Bill, we're going to talk about uh, we're, we're going to talk about millennials and uh, how they they they've sort of ignored their own music because they know that the music that you and I grew up with is the best music. Right. Right. You you, you know one of the, the funny things that. You know, the, the health club that I go to, they play all millennial music. And, uh, you know, I like to hear an oldie once in, once in a while. And, and you go there, and all the millennials have their headsets on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listening to our music. Right. Which makes me feel bad right. for them. I do. I feel bad for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus the mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, Bill. So uh, let's talk about overcoming. All right. And, and, you know, and, and specifically, you know, I wanted to uh, talk about overcoming by taking responsibility. Nice. No, so you're doing this new series at your church on overcomers, Bill. Right. Exactly. I like and, it. Uh, you know, we, we, we kind of explored, you know, different areas, you know, what it means to be an overcomer. You know, we talked about overcoming in the mind, you know, overcoming. Uh, one of the messages was taking responsibility that, you know, your, your life is where it is right now. Uh, because you know it's what you made it, and and you have to realize that you you take responsibility, you know, for where you're at, and uh, you know a lot of people you know have refused to take responsibility for their lives, and you know and, and as you you think about it, you know we we live actually live in a society that that teaches irresponsibility, uh, you know if you just look at you know what's happening uh, a lot in 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 the media today. You know, people are denying, you know, you know, what is it? Deny, deny, deny until you can't deny it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we just live in a culture that, that feeds irresponsibility. You know, I, I, I've talked to uh, several people and, I, you know, I was taking the guy to work one day and, you know, he was going late. And uh, I said, you know, what time you got to be at work? He said, I, I got to be there at 8 o'clock. And I said, well, it's like 10 minutes after now. He said, well, you know, the boss don't care. You know, we just get there whenever we can. And I just thought to myself, I said, wow, you know, uh, here, here you have the employer, you know, that's, that's not only, you know, teaching irresponsibility, but also reinforcing it. Yeah. You know, the fact that, you know, they, they, they have no issues with, with you coming late. And, and then I was, I was dealing with another guy around the same uh, subject and, you know, asked him, you know, don't you have to be at work at a certain time? And he said, yeah, and it was, it was late. He said, well, everybody else is, you know, comes late too. So I, I just, you know, thought to myself, wow, you know, this culture that we live in, you know, it, it, it just, you know, breeds irresponsibility. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's refreshing, you know, when, when you see somebody, you know, take responsibility. You know, again, you just look at what's in the news today. And, and some of the main headlines in the news, you see people denying, denying, denying. Uh-huh. So, and, and at some point, you have, to, you have to say, you know, own up and take responsibility, you know, for your action. Preach it, Bill. That, there, that's, I'd say if the central problem of America today is people don't own up to them, their own selves, right? You show up when you're supposed to right. show up and do what you're supposed to do. Right, right. You know, and, and, and you know, kind of, and I think, you know, as, as much as, you know, you know we, we look at, you know, uh, sports and see that, you know, uh, there's a lot of wrong in sports, but one of the refreshing things that I see is that, you know, when you look at the coaches and even quarterbacks, you know, when they, if they lose the game, that, you know, they're not blaming somebody else, right. but, you know, they're, they're taking the responsibility. You know, I, I think of uh, Coach Tomlin, you know, a lot of times, you know, he, he'll say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting with myself. You know, he, you know, he, he realizes that he's 
the head person, and he takes you know responsibility for that. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl, yes. uh, but you know, it was uh, you know it, it was one of the lowest scoring uh, Super Bowls in in the history of the game. And uh, I remember watching the interviews afterwards, and the coach for the uh, Los Angeles uh, Rams. You know, the first thing he did, he came on there and he took responsibility. And I, I mean, you know, to me, in in light of what we see going on, you know, that's that's just very refreshing. To it me. Surely is. And, yeah. So you know, I, I think that you know it's a problem. But you know, what, one of the one of the points that I that I brought out as I was sharing this message is that you know when you look at Proverbs chapter six verses six through eight, you look at the ant, and and the ant is the epitome of responsibility. You know, I, 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 the, the scripture says that uh, go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her food in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. So you, you think about, you know, here is this ant, and, and the ant has to realize, and, and I love what it says, it says that uh, they gather or they provide their food in the summer. And so, you know, you look at, uh, I don't know, you know, when you go outside, you know, if you go to a picnic in the summertime, you know, those pesky ants are there, right? And uh, and they're, you know, have crumbs and they're, and they're taking them. And just think, you know, this is May, June, and they're already, you know, gathering in the summertime for when the winter comes, you know, when they won't be able to get out there. That's like six months ahead of time. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, and there's nobody out there that's, that's, that's cracking the whip. You know, there's nobody out there that's, you know, uh, pushing them. But, you know, they're out there because they are responsible uh, individuals. And that's why God tells us to go to the ant. Look at the ant and, and see how responsible that the ant is. That, you know, you know, you think of, uh, as I think of the ant, you know, doing this like six months ahead of time. You know, I often think that, you know, when we were in college, you know, in September, we all got the uh, syllabus and we saw there was a term paper due in December. And, you know, if, if, if we had the, the work habits of the ant, you know, we would have started doing some things on that term paper in September. Yeah. But what happened to most now, I don't know, you guys seem like you, you probably were on top of things, so you probably were not like past the No, grade. no, Bill, I was but not I, a great student. No. Okay, okay so. Kathy's so much you, better. You, you, you were one of those night before or, or day before getting, the, getting that term paper. I was a big fan of Cliff Notes, Bill. Done. <laughs> And by the way, I was I was not a great student by any stretch of the imagination until I went to grad school. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "What have I been doing all this time? I've been a horrible student." That's it. But seriously, though, I think that's illustrative. Is that part of our um, part of taking responsibility is maturing in your life to the to the point where you realize this is this is a choice you make, right. and you right. can choose to blow it off. But there's going to be an end result to that. Yeah, I mean, I had a friend who used to say, "You're either going to do it." Or you're not, and that's pretty right. much cut and dried. You're either going to do it or you're not, right? And, and, and you know, and, and, the, and the fact is, is that you know you, you shouldn't have to have somebody you know pushing you to do it. That you know there ought to be some you know motivation that comes from within. You know, when you realize you know what it, what it is uh, that you're trying to do. You know, the, the the final objective or the goal of what you're trying to do. You know, there ought to be motivation. You know, on your own. And I, you know, I think you know it says that the ants that they have no overseer, and and this word overseer, you know, actually means somebody to hold them accountable, you know, for for what they do. And we've all heard that uh, saying, you know, people don't do what you expect; they do what you inspect. Mm-hmm. So you know, when when you look at the ant, you know, the ant uh, doesn't care if anybody uh, you know inspects it or not, but 
you know, he knows what's expected. And, and because he knows what's expected, he makes sure that, you know, he holds himself accountable to, to get it done. Oh, man. Bill Glaze is with us. Bill is at Bethany Baptist Church. He also anchors the show uh, Anchored in Jesus airs on Word FM every day at 7 o'clock here. Uh, Bill, but speak about this from a, a Christian perspective, right? Because if we're lovers of Christ, then we want to do our absolute best, all for the glory of God. Right. And, and, and yeah, that, that's that's absolutely right. And, you know, when you think about doing your best, you know, doing your best means when nobody else is looking. And, you know, that, that nobody else might even see, you know, what it is that you're doing. You know, I, I think of when I played uh, football in high school and how that, you know, we would have to do calisthenics before, you know, we started practice. And, you know, we'd be doing push-ups. And as long as the coach was walking around, you know, looking at people, you know, everybody was doing the push-ups, you yeah, know. Yeah. But as soon as the coach, you know, walked by, man, there would be guys that they would just lay on the lay ground and, and, yeah, right. and, 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 and stop. So, you know, you, you, you look at that, you know, so they're not doing their best. Like you, like you said, John, you know, as Christians, you know, we should be motivated. And I think a part of responsibility is, is us doing our best. You know, I remember I had the opportunity to uh, be in New York, I think it was back in the 90s, when the Statue of Liberty got a facelift. And, uh, you know, they taught, you know, I got some literature and I was reading about the Statue of Liberty. And it said that inside the crown of the Statue of Liberty, there was like, uh, when the French, you know, uh, constructed it, there was like design and detail, intricate design and detail inside the crown of the statue. Cool. Now, you think most people standing on the ground looking up, they'll never see that. And so they put all that work into something that most people will never even see. I love it. So when you talk about, you know, us giving our best, you know, that means that, you know, uh, that we play to an audience of one, you know, that, that we have a Heavenly Father who's watching us. And so regardless of what other people see, that, you know, we should want to do our best because of uh, our, our relationship with God. That's Pastor Bill Glaze, Bethany Baptist Church. Bill, in our remaining minute, tell us what's going on at Bethany. Well, you know, we, you know, we have... Uh, some uh, classes that are starting up in uh, biblical counseling. Nice. Uh, you know, we offer a uh, two-and-a-half-year biblical counseling degree, and, uh, you know, we encourage people, you know, to get in these classes because you can use the Bible to counsel other people. So, you know, that's one of the things that we have going on here. Excellent. Bill, it's always a pleasure. Certainly appreciate uh, your common sense and for your love of the Lord, and you, you bring those here with us, and especially with Anchored in Jesus, 7 o'clock uh, every night, and especially tonight here on Word FM. So thanks a lot for being with us, brother. All right, and I'm just glad that Pittsburgh wasn't on that list that you were Amen. Reading. Amen to that, huh? <laughs> Have a great Amen. one. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, no negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? 
To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. Question, do you have a health insurance plan you are not happy with? Well, Bethany and Jason thought they were stuck. Their plan just kept getting more expensive, and Bethany's favorite doctor didn't even take that plan anymore. And then some friends at church told them about MediShare. With our previous insurance, we were paying $1,200 a month. With MediShare, we now pay around $600 a month. Yes, they're paying $600 less per month, and that's a pretty typical savings with MediShare. And they actually like MediShare more. I was able to go back to my original doctor that I absolutely loved, and it's just been an absolutely beautiful thing being a part of MediShare. Yeah, so they pay a lot less, and they like it more. No wonder MediShare is growing so fast. Find out more. They're super easy to talk to. All you have to do is call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-B-I-B-L-E, 844-41-BIBLE. JustPayHalfPittsburgh.com is the best place to find half-off deals for restaurants, events, and more. Right now, text JPH Radio to 21777 and receive an additional 20% off your first purchase. That's JPH Radio to 21777. Text and data rates may apply. Right now, there's a child living in extreme poverty with no future and no hope. But you can bring hope when you become a Compassion International sponsor. Just text the word CHILD to 83393 and sponsor a child right now. Rain and even a thunderstorm around until just after midnight tonight. Windy and turning colder late, the low 33. Tomorrow, windy and colder with clouds giving way to sunshine. Temperatures will be falling into the 20s tomorrow. First get much colder tomorrow night, below 12 degrees. Then for Saturday, sunshine and some clouds and staying cold, high 27. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. In a study carried out by academics at the University of Oxford, they took 135 uh, healthy people, divided those people into five groups, and then they played a different set of audio instructions. The team from Oxford then took physical measurements of heart rate, sweat response, asked the participants to report how they were feeling. Questions included how safe the people felt, how they were likely to be kind to themselves, and how connected they felt to others. The two groups whose instructions encouraged them to be kind to themselves not only reported feeling more self-compassion and connection with others, but also showed a bodily response consistent with feelings of relaxation and safety. Really? So now, the, that does not surprise me even a little bit. No. No. That's just, that, that's, that falls into the category. Of, if you just think about that enough, that would come to you. Right. I mean, the saying is that your own worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own unguarded thoughts. Right. So how you talk to yourself yes. about yourself yes. means a lot. Exactly. Right? I mean, self-talk, right? Anyone who's been in therapy has heard that term, yeah. self-talk. I mean, because the truth is, and you know this to be true, right? If you're a functioning adult, we are always our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And somehow, and I'll raise my hand here, we we gravitate towards heinous thoughts about ourselves. Don't you think that's true? Do you do that, John? Me? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. I know. Don't you? Yes, of course. 
I just notice it a lot with in me. you. Cool. Well, you're, right, you know, you're hanging I, out with me. Well, yeah, and because I feel like one of my tasks, one of the reasons I'm in your life is so that I can tell you that what you're telling yourself is completely wrong. Well, I, I don't know where you know you know where it comes from, or I mean, you can None be of on the, us know where it comes from. You can be from, on the yeah. you know the therapist couch yeah. forever and go, uh, you know, I. Uh, but it I doesn't matter where it comes old. from. Really. No. It, right? just, it just matters the fact that you speak truth to yourself. Yeah. Well, we, the truth that we think about ourselves, obviously, is often that you know we, we are not worthy or not good enough right. or blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Isn't blah, that, blah. though, where we as people who believe in Jesus and have a Bible sitting in front of us yeah. should be a 100 steps ahead? Because the promises of God, he tells us what he thinks we are. And if we would just folk, if we would just remember that and have that be our guiding thought that this is who God thinks I am right. instead of this is who my brother thinks I am or my husband thinks I am or right. my kid thinks I am or whatever it is. I mean, if you just like close your eyes and think about the fact that the God we're talking about is the one who created everything, the universe, the vastness of space, that type of creature is the one who's telling us that we are infinitely loved and infinitely valuable and royalty right and so some you know troll on twitter shouldn't really matter that much in comparison were you reading that tweet of mine listen it's, somebody said that about me it's national fettuccine alfredo day john yeah i i, I can't do it that is way too much don't you think yeah yeah my kids love it when I eat it, I feel sick. I'm like choking on it, crushing me. You so you don't like the taste of it at all? No, I mean, <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah, it's like you know, like can, one I, bite. I, I'm really excited about, and about, then I do not need any more than that. It's like sticking a you know a pound of butter in your mouth yeah. and then trying to swallow mm -hmm. it. It's way too much for me. I agree, Mike. I love it. It's my favorite. What is it, it really? Fettuccine Alfredo. It really is. <laughs> I love it so much. Every time I go to Olive Garden, that's what you get. Yeah. Fettuccine Alfredo. All it is is noodles, cheese, and butter. Yeah, that's all it is. It's it's yummy. Oh. Alfredo De Lelio, what's that? Gave it his name at his restaurant oh. in in Rome in the early to mid twentieth century. Uh, why can't I speak? <laughs> early to mid twentieth century, mm. where the ceremony of preparing a table side was an integral part of the dish. Kind what? of like the Caesar salad of like the 1970s. That's, uh, I don't like that. When people like when someone you ever go to a place and someone makes uh, guac for you. Oh yeah, we've done that. Remember, we used to do that a lot when we had a client who you don't like that. I don't like that. I don't want like the because I was a waiter. I don't want the waiter in front of me doing his thing. Just put the food down and let's go. <laughs> That's all. You're so sweet. No, I just I don't want to show. I don't need entertained. I just mm -hmm. want to eat. That's all. Mm -hmm. You know, I, the the mystery of someone making fettuccine. Whoa, holy! What? He, I mean, that's not all that exciting. Here comes the butter. Oh mm -hmm. my goodness! Wait, oh, there's cheese in that too. I had no idea. This, let's just get on with it. That's all. All right. Well, Mike, I salute you for loving fettuccine Alfredo on this special day. Now that you, you know have your that it's the national day, do you think you'll have it for dinner? Per, most likely. Do you no, ever have no, it at no. home? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll probably. I, and I usually dip my breadsticks in the sauce oh. after I'm done eating the uh, so the pasta. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Mike. It's okay. like a heart attack on a plate. It really it? is. Yeah, it's no. worth it. Yeah, it's See, so good. At some point in your life, you're gonna have to eat, uh, change those eating habits, Mike. Nah. No, you have no. To. I want him to keep on where he's keeping on because you know my goal is to weigh less than him. And right now, we're doing well. I like it.
101.5 WORD. You probably know that Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived by asking God to grant him wisdom. But what you may not know is that at one time Solomon lived as a fool far from God. Ecclesiastes is a dramatic autobiography of Solomon's years living out of the will of God. We're beginning a study on Ecclesiastes this week on Through the Bible Radio with J. Vernon McGee. And you're sure to learn something new. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep. Real sleep. Deep sleep. The kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night. Night sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four-pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium MyPillows along with two go-anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code WORD at MyPillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code WORD at MyPillow.com and make MyPillow yours today. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, If SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. I think it's an age-old question about how you balance your work life with your family life, having children especially. How do you do that? It, it's a very difficult thing. I, I, I think very few people do it well. 
Brian Dykema is with us. Brian is the program director of work and economics at Cardis. He's also a senior editor with Comment Magazine. Comment's a quarterly publication, which we absolutely love. And uh, Brian is part of this uh, article that appeared called Work and Family in Sync. Brian, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So, Brian, work and family in sync is something that is foreign to most people. You've got... (laughs) I just got to be honest about it. I mean, I could go in with something flowery, but why waste our time? <laughs> Work and family are often at cross purposes, and it's hard to not just find a balance, but it's hard to even accommodate both of them some days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, it's kind of funny you mentioned in sync, and you sort of think, okay, we're going to have this beautiful dance step, right, between yeah. work and work in the family. But really, it just looks like a tall, awkward Dutch guy at a wedding. Uh, that's often what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's often what. It, that's often what it looks like. It's very hard. It's very hard. Now, there, there are a number of different uh, things that make it hard. Some of them are. Um, you know, we we all have different callings. Different people feel called to different parts, and we're, we have different strengths. There are different contexts in which we find ourselves. Sometimes money is an issue. Sometimes it's not. Um, sometimes our children uh, have, you know, provide or have uh, certain needs and so on. There's lots and lots of things that make it very difficult. And it is, it is uh, one of those things that um, we really struggle to make sort of work in, in a nice, healthy rhythm. Right. So, you know, old school pattern, right? The, uh, the yep. dad went to work. The, the yep. wife stayed at home with the kids. And so there yep. wasn't this synchronicity for a lot of people. But I, I, just speaking as a dad, I often felt guilty, especially when my kids were little, that I wasn't doing enough, that I wasn't showing up, that I was a bad dad. And so then I would carry that thing to work and be guilty while I was at work. And then you'd be a bad worker, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was a mess. I'm lucky to keep this yeah. job. To and stay married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Well, I mean, uh, there's, I mean, some uh, some evidence was uh, recently uh, put out last uh, last week, I think, or a couple of weeks ago, from the uh, Institute for Family Studies, uh, which is doing really great work, shows that there are still people who have that uh, that that sort of setting. It's not always the mom; it's often the mom who stays at home, but who has a parent at home and one at work, and it tends to be people on the very low end of the income spe- uh, spectrum, and also folks at the very high end of the spectrum. And it's the folks in the sort of the, the working class middle that have a very difficult time uh, keeping someone at home. And, and often that's because there are um, financial requirements that, uh, that mean they, they've got to get out and work. And so you're right. It's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and, and it, it has all kinds of effects. As, as you sort of noting, John, you know, you, you've got the picture of the person who says, oh, I wish I should, I want to be at home, uh, but I can't, can't afford it. Um, and that's, that's true for a lot of people in the States. Yeah. Brian, you know that the if you are following the North American news, that abortion is back in the news in uh, our country. And the uh, conversations we're having are mind-bending, to be honest with you, because we're talking about late-term abortion. We're talking about, you know, if a, if a baby's born alive, you know, the governor of Virginia said we should just keep it comfortable. That's a quote. Until the mother and the physician can, you know, make, have a consult, have a consult and figure out what to do, whether the child lives or dies. I mean, these, these are crazy questions. Um, and I think one of the things that the church, for the most part, has spoken out well on over the last 40 or 50 years is the issue of protecting life in utero. Um, mm-hmm. But we haven't been 
as strong about what it means to protect life after birth. And I don't just mean to protect it because I think, yeah, okay, we want we want babies and moms and dads to live. But coming up with how best to support families um, or single moms after making the decision to keep a baby, that really is a lot more complicated because they're all of a sudden it requires more of us. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah, no, I'm, I was sorry to hear that news, to read it. Uh, it sounds very much like they're moving in a direction that, that is, uh, is is Canadian uh, and not in a good way. Um, but you're absolutely right that one of the things that the Church can do, and in fact in many places is doing, one of the um, uh, um, uh, things that we, we mentioned in this article that Caitlin and Rachel, uh, who are working for CPJ, Center for Public Justice, um, uh, I've done really good work on this um, family values project that they're working on, which says, what does it mean? What would it mean to actually value a family? What would it mean for the church to do that? And they point to a number of programs that churches have run. They, they've, they've noted exactly what you've just said. Look, sometimes people have children, and they have, they're worried about what they're going to do to help you know, feed them, to right. help educate them. And they've created these, these programs. One of them they, they mentioned that was started for mothers, but it ended up um, you know, with sort of a hat tip to you, John, for, for fathers as well, that they, they created a program that, that said, look, here, we're going to get together and we're going to provide the support, whether it's wages, whether it's meals, um, uh, that, that, whether it's even income, some, some amount of money that allow the families to be together and allow the family uh, to have its sort of a sort of a place of tranquility without having to worry about where the next meal's from. This, right. this one was called Parenting Por Vida, um, and it was just a really great, um, just a really great program that supports low-income families and those who who have deep poverty and helping them to sort of, as they're pregnant and expecting uh, children to have a sort of a healthy birth, and then afterwards to assist them as they they begin that new life as parents. Yes. Brian Dykem is with us from Comment Magazine. So, Brian, uh, during the State of the Union address, the president made a very pointed assertion that he said, you know, essentially, socialism will never work in this country. We will never be a socialist country. And, of course, that makes good sense to me. However... Having said that, you know, there is something to be said about a community that engages with each other, that there is a basic minimum where people can live together in community and there's an exchange of help for each other. Let me give you an insight to example. So, uh, Brian, my dad's been in the hospital uh, since November. And um, one of the things that's been challenging for me is just like cooking food cooking meals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sure. just this sure. really, really basic thing. So yep. uh, we have a small group at church and they have brought meals to our family. I don't know for, mm-hmm. I don't know how long. And maybe it's just sometimes it's one meal a week. Sometimes it's four meals a week. Like whatever, whatever they can do at the time, they'll drop off. Listen, that makes all the difference in the world because that's one less thing I have to do so that I can hang out with my daughter who's in high school or I can hang out with my husband or I can go back and see my dad or whatever. You know, whatever it is, I have. that's not a big deal. But every time someone drops off food, my kids say to me or I say to my kids, what do people do without a church? Because when you you need when you need something you you can't even figure out what you need if people know you well enough they can step in and give you something that can really be either an encouragement to you or can really like be a an actual physical help in a particular day. 
Yeah, absolutely. The story is very similar for us. We started with twins. We have twin uh, twin boys, and you know, when you're a new parent, it's 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 crazy enough just with one. You're oh not my even, gosh! You really have no idea what you're doing. Um, but we started with twins, and and we our church blessed. I mean, it was a tremendous blessing. We got meals, I think, for something like two months. They wow. brought up a diaper service. Some people would come over just to hold the children so that, you know, my wife could take a shower, right? These are very small right. things. Yeah. And so, so there absolutely is a sense in which the church was enabled us to be parents. And I think this is the key. So, John, you mentioned socialism. You mentioned, uh, look, I don't want socialism either, because what socialism is, the state overreaching and taking over the various spheres of society, yes. right? What the Christian tradition has long said, I come from the Reformed tradition where we talk about this thing called sphere sovereignty. Other traditions have this notion called subsidiarity, which recognizes that society has a plurality of institutions and communities within it. There is the family, there's the school, there's the state. All of them have extremely important roles. And ideally, these spheres are moving in harmony with one another. And so anytime you have one sphere that over starts to overreach the harmony, it becomes dissonant. And that would be, I think, what socialism is. I think the same thing can also be true, though, with some of the other spheres. So for instance, if you are so required by your work to go to work in such a way that you cannot care for your family, that's a very similar type of thing where the market in this particular case is overreaching and creates a dissonance in family life. And so there are ways in which these various spheres, as the church enabled my wife and I to, to raise our children, and in fact has did that through for, for every one of our four children, so the state can act in ways that enable these other communities to thrive in their own right. That, I think, is very different from the notion of socialism. Mm -hmm. It's a sense in which one community with unique tasks and unique resources is able to help the other. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not suggesting a policy program. I, I could get into that if we wanted to sort of go into wonk talk. But there's a difference between, <laughs> there's a difference, I think, between socialism, which is the state absorbing other institutions, and I think the Christian tradition of sphere sovereignty or subsidiarity, which realizes that various communities can enable other other communities and help them thrive. Good, mm -hmm. yes. Brian Dykema from uh, Cardis and Comet Magazine. Hey, Brian, I love this conversation. But Wonk Talk will have to wait. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Listen, we're gonna, we'll do a podcast at a later time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Tell our good. audience about Comet because we love it, and I look forward to it coming into my mailbox every every three months. Yep, Comment is a quarterly magazine. We're a magazine that we, we call it uh, Public Theology for the Common Good. So what we want to try to do is help our readers understand how the Christian faith, the deep, deep resources, the, the fresh water from the fountain of the Christian faith, can help spill over into the rest of our life. That's what we do. Um, we're published by a think tank, uh, North American think tank called Cardus, and you can find us at C-A-R-D-U-S dot C-A slash comment. Very nice. Brian, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate your thoughts. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. Brian Dykema, Program Director for Work and Economics at Cardis, Senior Editor with Comment Magazine. Highly recommended. Comment. A moo-moo 
here and a moo moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo moo. Hi there, it's me, Marcia from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84, Pennsylvania. Not only will you enjoy watching the heifers in the field and the baby calves in the mini barnyard, but you should also come hungry for our fabulous farm fresh cooking. Step inside the Springhouse for hot roast beef sandwiches, turkey and stuffing, hickory smoked ham, stuffed cabbage rolls, real mashed potatoes, and a whole lot more. A different menu each day. The locals tell their friends that our famous chocolate milk is the official drink of the Springhouse. And be sure to save room for apple pie, ho-ho cake, Oreo cheesecake, or lots of other from-scratch goodies for dessert. Have I made you hungry yet? Let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance knows you're focusing on the road right now, so we'll just describe our newspaper print ad to you. It's a tiny square that's colored a newspaper shade of gray that has you thinking yellow. As the words read, Liberty Mutual customizes your insurance so you only pay for what you need. Now that's the kind of print ad that'll make you glad you still read newspapers. Go to LibertyMutual.com for a customized quote and you could save. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Coverage is underwritten by Liberty Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates. Equal housing insurer. How many sales are you missing because you're not effectively using social media marketing? The vast majority of the population is on social media, shopping. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. From the moment you met, it's as if you were custom-made for each other. Why should your jewelry be any different? Trinity Jewelers is the area's premier designer of custom jewelry that celebrates life's closest relationships, from breathing new life into a family heirloom to crafting a -a one-of-a-kind original out of nothing but imagination. Trinity's master craftsmen create affordable pieces that tell your own unique story. See how at trinityjewelers.com. As we start 2019, we so much appreciate the support of one of our newest clients, Grove City College. So thanks to everyone at GCC. John and I and everyone here at the Ride Home are grateful for your partnership. A total of 169 people were arrested during an 11-day FBI-led human trafficking operation ahead of the last Super Bowl. Just happened on Sunday. On Tuesday, the Violent Crimes Against Children, Human Trafficking Program, and Metro Atlanta Child Exploitation Task Force announced that it had rescued 18 victims of human trafficking, including nine juveniles and nine adults. I'm reading from 
Atlanta, Journal. yeah, the Atlanta Journal, I mm-hmm. guess is what yeah. it's called. The effort leading up to Super Bowl Sunday included more than 25 local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies and district attorney's offices, along with seven NGOs, which is wonderful. Um, of the 169 arrests, which are not so wonderful, 26 people were alleged traffickers. 34 suspects were allegedly people attempting to engage in sex acts with minors. The youngest sex trafficking victim rescued, 14. Who does this? Who goes and spends big money at the Super Bowl and then you wake up and think, yeah, I'm going to go out and you know, this is a good time. I'm going to go have sex with a child. How dark and deep have you fallen into the abyss in your life? God help these people. It's so heinous. It truly is. So kudos to the FBI and for the local authorities in Atlanta to mm-hmm. make this sting operation and, and, and grab these people. My hope is if you're convicted of this, you spend a long time, decades in jail because mm-hmm. it's just heinous. Boy, it makes you feel a sense of optimism that 25 local, state and federal law enforcement agencies can work together enough to produce something like this, Got that right. you know, and yeah. to be that effective. Yeah, that's a lot of work. And that's a lot of cooperation between each other. And they all have one thing in mind, right? To rescue people yeah. from the sex trade. So God bless them all for their efforts. Truly appreciate it. Hey, during our 5 o'clock hour, uh, we got a lot ahead. We're going to talk about uh, Sundance and religious films with Alyssa Wilkinson from Vox. And uh, at 540, David French is going to talk to us about blackface. That's certainly been in the news a lot lately. We look forward to that conversation. Hope you do as well. Stay with us. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is blasting the woes of Virginia Democrats while Speaker Pelosi opts out of the fray. The president says Democrats are killing Virginia, and if there were three Republicans involved instead, far stronger action would have been taken. After Democrats made big gains in Virginia in 2017, the president's predicting it will come back home Republican next year. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi calls the scandal sad. Because they have some very talented leaders there, uh, but They have to have the confidence of the electorate, and they have to have the confidence of the legislature. And she's staying out of it. I have enough to do uh, here without getting involved in the affairs of of, of Virginia. Sagar Magani at the White House. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 220 points. The Nasdaq dropped 86. The S&P lower by 25. Oil down to 52.64 a barrel. This is SRN News. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term Term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. 
He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Tired of working for everyone else? With Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Pittsburgh, you can be your own boss and own your own business. It's a common dream that too often goes unrealized. As owner of your own commercial cleaning franchise, you can finally take control of your future. Vanguard Cleaning Systems offers you a turnkey opportunity that takes you through everything step-by-step. From the initial setup, marketing, and even providing you with new customers. Even if you have no experience, Vanguard will equip you to succeed at your own pace. Vanguard's expertise is why they're consistently ranked as a top franchise in Entrepreneur Magazine. Isn't it time you stopped working for everyone else? Discover the daily joy of being your own boss. All it takes is an initial upfront investment as low as $5,000 that will quickly pay for itself with Vanguard's proven model of success. To start your own janitorial business, business or expand your current one, call Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Western PA, 724-870-4120. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2019 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo. One day only, Saturday, February 23rd from 10 to 5 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall, upper level near Wahlburgers. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 40 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. Rain and even a thunderstorm around until just after midnight tonight. Windy and turning colder late, the low 33. Tomorrow, windy and colder with clouds giving way to sunshine. Temperatures will be falling into the 20s tomorrow. Brisk and much colder tomorrow night, the low 12 degrees. Then for Saturday, sunshine and some clouds and staying cold, high 27. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. If you're a certain age, uh, I believe, I, I do, that I was born in the best age in the United States because I witnessed so much and primarily because I believe we had the best music. I feel bad for kids today. I do feel bad for kids today. Because their music is CRAP. I agree. It's just the worst. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, growing up in the 60s and 70s and and the 80s. And I like that spelling. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Thank you. (laughs) Because it's a family show, we have to spell that. Just saying. Just saying. I like it. I want you to spell, follow the bouncing ball to <laughs> my degrading of bad music. Hi, I'm John Hall with Kathy Emmons. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of the ride home. USA Today uh, has published a study that's found that golden oldies stick in millennials' minds far more than the relatively bland, homogenous pop of today. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, the golden age of popular music that lasted from the 1960s 
to the 1990s. I'm not so sure about the 1990s. I know there was some good stuff in the. 90s. I mean, you know, it got sort of dwindled out there. No, I kind of liked it. Songs liked from this 90s. era proved to be much more memorable than the tunes released in the 21st century. Scientists tested a group of millennials on their ability to recognize hit records after different decades. The 643 participants aged 18 to 25 maintained a steady memory of top tunes that came out between 1960 and 1999. In contrast, their memory of 21st century songs from 2000 to 2015, while higher overall, diminished rapidly over time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because the bottom line, John, is they're just not as good. Yep. During the period, songs reached the top 20, uh, top of the Billboard charts were significantly more varied than they were between 20, 2000 and 2015 or the 1940s to the 1950s. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, let's, let's play some of those songs that were recognized as most memorable. Oh, come on. I mean, who... Right away. Is that the Harmon? Is that the... Uh... Percy Sledge? Yeah. Percy Sledge. Correct. What's the organ? Hammond B3. Hammond B3. Okay. How about... uh... Okay, now here's the thing. Let me say something. First of all, it's a great song. But second of all, it's him singing it. Like if it was some average person singing it, I don't think it would be as memorable. His singing makes the song. I mean, who is the dude with the long hair who redid that song in the 90s? I don't know. Oh. Anyway, I can't believe I can't think of his name. Michael Bolton. Oh. Nowhere near. No. As good as Percy Sledge. Give me another one, Mike. Oh, yes. Any kind of fool could see. There was something in everything about you. Yeah, nice. Player. Do you recognize the I album that cover? Was Ambrosia. No, it's player. That's no, it? player. Huh. You know, I know that. I recognize but in my mind's eye I I see the album cover. Do you? Mm-hmm. Mike's Mike just came. Classic Mike just walked in. Yeah. And he had his head bopping. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Because that's a great song. If anybody knows what we're talking about, it's Classic Mike, right? Yeah. Okay. That's first of all, that is classic. Such a great. Did Player have one other hit? Probably not. Yeah. That's okay. This one is supreme enough. He doesn't. They don't really yeah, need yeah. other ones. Next one, Mike. What do you got? Oh, Debbie Harry. <laughs> no, that's not Debbie Harry. Oh, yeah, yeah it is. Nope. Wrong. Yeah, it is. That's, Blondie, right? Yeah, it is Blondie. Oh, it's Blondie. Yeah, yeah. that's Debbie yeah. Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. So this song sounds nothing like Baby Come Back. Nothing. No, no. And it doesn't sound anything like what a man calls totally a different. woman. So I see what they're saying about music today is more homogenous. Yeah. Oh, because they're written by like the yeah, same yeah. five people. Right, Don't right. you know that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going, Mike. What else you got? Oh. Oh. Complete clap. L.A. Too much for the man. Too much for the man. That's gorgeous. Take it. So he's leaving the life. He's come to know. Say her name. Gladys Knight. How about the Super Bowl? Right? She crushed it. And didn't she look fabulous? Didn't she look terrific? Holy smoke. 74 years yeah, old. She's yeah. singing like that? Yeah. And she wasn't lip singing. It was excellent. Gladys Knight. Oh. This has to be, I would say. 72? I mean, this is high praise. 
I don't know, but I'm just saying, I think it's in my top ten favorite songs of all time. Oh, really? Regardless of genre. Uh-huh. That's how much I love it. 73, John. Very close. 73. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, give us another one. All righty. I need oh, no. <laughs> this is Lionel Richie, right? Yeah. There's no other love. Oh, like your love. Like your love. Is this truly? Sure is. I'm not a big fan of Lionel Richie. He had a string of like 18 ballads in a row. Yeah. It's a lot to take. When he was, you know, not the ballad guy, he was with the group. Yeah, when he was doing Brick House with Commodores. Oh, man. Didn't he date one of the Spice Girls? Did he? I don't know. That's now on um, America's Got Talent? No. One of the judges? Really? Yeah, I think so. I'd much rather hear the Commodores any day. Oh, me too. Me too. too. For sure. Me too. Exactly. Okay, so this... The study basically says songs from the 60s, the 90s, much more memorable. That's our only point of playing these, mm-hmm. of course, because oh. they're fabulous. Now, this is just a weird song. I love this song. But everybody, I mean, we, we just know this song, right? Yeah. And it sounds nothing like Debbie Harry, and it sounds nothing like Lionel Richie. No. All right, Mike, you're a millennial. Yes. Do you know this song? I do know this song. Mm-hmm. Do yes. you know all the like other songs song. that you played? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what's on your Spotify playlist? When you're playing, you know, what are you, what are you listening to? What are we missing here? I like 50s. 50s? I do. I like really? like Beach Boys. I like 50s. That's 60s. Um, it is, yeah, 60s? Yeah, it's is 60s. It? Yeah, it's early 60s. Okay. Um, 60s then. 60s, I, I like the 70s because growing up with, you know, your My parents. dad and his bro- and his brother. That was their music. That was their music. Right, yeah. Right. Um, Is that how you came to your favorite band of all time being Creedence? Yeah. yeah. Your dad was a Creedence fan? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. My dad was a Creedence fan. He has good taste, your yeah, father. Of course he does. And then uh, my sister, who was born in 1980, she is an avid, crazy, googly-eyed 80s mm. music uh-huh. fan good, yeah. guru. Um, mm. So uh, I like a lot of 80s. Um, and I don't know. For to me personally, you know, yes, I'm a millennial. I just like music. I, I, yeah, good music. I, good music. Do you listen to any current music? Like, do you have any people who are currently recording music who are like cutting edge that you like and listen to? Within the last, I'd say I'd stop. I stopped listening to the top forty pop pop songs probably when I got out of college, but like 2012. Okay, so that was like when you were 22 years old. Yeah. 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 See, that's so that begins the uh, the ascent into middle age is what's happening with you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah, right. it, when you stop listening to popular music, you kind of go, okay, you lose touch. All right, but here's the thing. I don't think it's, I think what the article's saying though, and what this re- research is showing is it's not just the fact that you know, Mike is slouching into middle age. It's the fact that music had, music is slouching into the into the pool of sameness. Yeah, I really think that's what ha- that's what's happened. You say, did you well, say sameness? Sameness. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would agree. With when that. I listen to uh, you know top forty music, which I try to do at least once a week, I just try to turn the radio on and hear. What, to me, 
it all sounds the same. Well, you know, there's a point to that because I, I've read about this, that uh, you look at the variety of music producers in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Now, essentially, truly, this is the truth. There are like five or six people who are producing the large majority of popular music. Yeah. That's a fact. Right. And then you include, you know, auto-tuning and right. people not with a, another group of people, live music in a studio with a collaboration. It's some guy in his bedroom. And it's soulless. I agree. It is. I couldn't agree more. Now, a group like Fall Out Boy, to me, sounds different. Yeah. I like Fall Out Boy. Uh, Panic at the Disco is actually like one guy in his bedroom. But he's a good singer. He writes good music. Um, well, look I like the- that. And there's a lot of good songwriting there always has been a good history of songwriting in country music oh yeah so contemporary country music a lot of that i gotta be honest with you especially the guys all sound the same no, i think it does too but there are some outliers that i feel like are writing strong music well look at the fallout from the super bowl i mean maroon five was you know logically okay, so maroon derided five, as being milk toast boring perfect example maroon right. five when they fir- in my opinion when they first started first three albums were just Out of the terrific park. loved loved everyone best debut album that of a band I can think of in the last 20 years. I absolutely loved it. Now, listen, their their albums now are like 10 identical songs to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. 10 th- identical songs. This is no way of knocking Justin Timberlake though. I mean, he still he has he creates great music. Um like you said Fallout Boy, they mm-hmm. create great music. Um I'm trying to think of a uh who's the guy that has the really really high voice? Um Babyface. Andy, uh, Andy Gibb. No, 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 no. Uh, it's it's like fall. There, he oh, you mean the guy from Panic at the Disco? Yes, Panic Brand, at the Disco. Brendan Urie. Yes, they create great music, you know. But but what? overall, meh. But overall, meh. it's meh. 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 It is meh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so Mike, um, good job liking Credence. Hey, nice. thanks. Okay, take us out, Mike. You got something? Sure. Okay, very good. All right. Uh, stick around. We're gonna talk about. Um, What's next? Oh, oh, Sundance. We're going to talk about movies. We're going from music to movies. I love this. Stick around. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Graham. Gratitude has been described as the healthiest of all human emotions. Think about it. If you live with praise and thanksgiving to God, it counteracts any toxic negative emotion in your life. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. Friend, this is Pastor Dan O'Neill from Eagles Wings Church in Squirrel Hill. Did you ever think about how much the Good Samaritan resembles our Lord Jesus? The victim is headed for Jericho, minus 846 feet below sea level and very hot. Mankind is headed for hell. The victim was stripped naked, and we were stripped naked in the Garden of Eden. The Good Samaritan binds up wounds. This was done with linen strips, and Jesus put on those same type of strips as our grave clothes. The Good Samaritan poured in the oil and the wine. Jesus shed his blood and baptized us with the Holy Spirit. The Good Samaritan places the victim on a beast, and Jesus will return with his saints on a white horse. The Good Samaritan paid the innkeeper a price equivalent to the redemption of an Israelite male, and Jesus paid our redemption. 
Come join us, Eagles Wings Church, Sundays at 9 a.m. at 2409 Shady Avenue in the auditorium of Taylor Alderdice High School in Squirrel Hill. Come worship and learn all that Jesus has done for us. Jen had a very busy day today, really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart. Today, you have more choices than ever when it comes to where you purchase products, but you also have an opportunity to support companies that align with your values. The Original Mattress Factory hand-builds high-quality mattresses right here in your hometown. We believe in doing right by our customers by offering the best mattresses at factory-direct prices every day. So when you shop for a mattress, we hope you'll make the choice to buy with your values. Visit the Original Mattress Factory to see the OMF difference for yourself. From the moment you met... It's as if you were custom-made for each other. Why should your jewelry be any different? Trinity Jewelers is the area's premier designer of custom jewelry that celebrates life's closest relationships, from breathing new life into a family heirloom to crafting a one-of-a-kind original out of nothing but imagination. Trinity's master craftsmen create affordable pieces that tell your own unique story. See how at trinityjewelers.com. Alyssa Wilkinson is with us. Alyssa is the film critic at Vox.com. She's been writing about film and culture since 2006. Alyssa's work has appeared in Rolling Stone, The Washington Post, Vulture, RogerEbert.com, The Atlantic, lots of places, too numerous to name. Alyssa is a member of the New York Film Critics Circle, a 2017-18 Art of Nonfiction Writing Fellow with the Sundance Institute. She is co-author with Robert Jostra of How to Survive the Apocalypse, Zombies, Cylons, Faith, and Politics at the End of the World. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Alyssa, you've just returned from this year's Sundance Film Festival. Before we talk about the actual films, tell us what Sundance is and what your experience this year was like. Yeah, sure. Sundance is probably the most prominent film in the U.S. Uh, film festival in the U.S. It's um, a, a 10-day kind of extravaganza where independent filmmakers... Um, submit their films and bring them there if they're selected to be seen by audiences, by critics, by distributors. Um, a lot of people are there with a film that they're hoping to sell to a distributor um, in order for it to end up in theaters later in the year. And it's been going on for decades after being founded by Robert Redford, really with an eye to cultivating independent um, talent and independent voices. I see. So, for, Alyssa, for people in the film business and those who love film, this is kind of like film heaven, isn't it? 
Yeah, a little bit, and it's a really exciting festival. Um, you know, every festival has its own flavor, but a fun thing about Sundance is that none of the films really have a lot of um, buzz or, you know, people haven't really seen them before, so it's always very exciting. It's like discovering new movies when you're there. Mm. Nice. Now, this was a first for you. Talk about what it means that you were one of the jurists. Yeah, I was um, invited to be on the jury this year. Um, there's a few different juries who judge films that are in specific sections of the festival that are competing. Um, my section was the U- U.S. documentary, um, which had 16 films from documentarians um, based in the U.S. about all kinds of topics, which ranged from movies about you know current political concerns to movies about um, you know, historical things. There was a film called Apollo 11, which was comprised entirely of um, footage that hasn't been seen before from the moon landing. Um, all kinds of movies like that. There was a movie about a, a woman whose son is going deaf and also wants to play the piano and um, her kind of working through that. So uh, that's the kind of thing that I was watching. And then at the end, we selected a number of them to, to win awards. I see. So you watch six. You yourself watched sixteen documentaries along with the other judges. How many judges were there? And then once you've watched all sixteen films, you sit in around in a room and compare notes and come up with a few winners. Yeah, that's right. So I there were four other judges in my group, including and in, in, in addition to myself, they are all um, documentarians who are Oscar nominated or have made films that have been at the festival before. Um, we watched all 16 over the course of about a week, and then we sat around a big table and for six hours um, wow. deliberated over which ones we were going to give awards. And we wanted to give awards to not just movies that had maybe interesting subjects, but also ones that were really well-crafted. So we gave out awards for uh, you know, directing, cinematography, and things like that. And we also gave out an award for a film um, that we called Moral Urgency. Um, and the film was about... Um, lynching and the history of lynching and modern-day lynching in the U.S. Wow, fabulous. So talk about uh, early in your career, you started out uh, reviewing films for Christianity Today. You essentially, um, you're a believer, and you've also uh, made a sort of a transition to mainstream secular uh, criticism for film. Um, When you're at Sundance, is there an opportunity for you to see films that have some way a, um, for lack of a better phrase, a, a religious bent to them? Yeah, actually, and and this year it was notable how many of those there were. In fact, um, Sundance actually partnered with a group called the Windrider Forum this year, um, which has been going to Sundance for years and bringing students from Christian colleges and seminaries uh, for a week uh, of programming there. And it's always been kind of running parallel to the festival. And this this year Sundance actually partnered with them um, and made them an official institute partner. So they were there, um, and they've always been there, but it was interesting to see in the programming itself that there were a lot of films with really strong religious bents or films about religious communities uh, in the festival across all kinds of um, sections. In fact, there were so many that the uh, festival asked me to um, moderate a panel of filmmakers talking about religion and film that we called Leaps of Faith. Um, and there was, you know, the room was packed. It was a really interesting conversation. Now, this is, this is fascinating to me. Uh, I- there's no answer, I guess, that you can that we can perhaps document. But why do you think there's an increase in faith-based films? Uh, you know, I think some of it is just that um, th- you know when you when you cast the net more widely for independent voices, you end up with a larger amount of experience for the different filmmakers. So mm. Sundance has been trying really hard to be more inclusive, and I think that that sometimes changes 
you know, the perspectives and stories that they might tell. And then also there there has been a shift in popular culture, particularly over the last 10 years, to really thinking about um, religious concerns in film or using religious tropes. I mean, that doesn't mean all of them are great, but it does make more space for people to explore those things on film. So as you got to view some films, were you excited about the religious films that you saw? I really was. Yeah, there were some really great ones. Um, there were some that um, maybe were less great, but there were some that were really, really exciting. Um, the, I think probably the most exciting of all of them was a film um, called Light from Light, uh, which is actually not clearly about religious stuff. It's more about a person looking for um, whether there is such a thing as the supernatural. So the main character is actually a, a skeptic who's also kind of a ghost hunter and is wondering if that's a real thing. She gets a call from a priest to come talk to a man played by Jim Gaffigan who um, who is trying to sort of figure out his life basically in the wake of grief from his wife's death. But um, that was a real exciting and beautiful film. Um, and, of course, the title Light from Light is obviously a, a reference to um, the creed. Um, how, was, and there were wait, other... how, was, how was Jim Gaffigan in that, Alyssa? Was that a dramatic yeah. role? Well, yeah. So Jim Gaffigan is actually an incredibly talented dramatic actor, um, and he's very underrated. He was in three different films at Sundance. What? Really? what? Yeah, and he's you know he's a faithful Catholic and talks about that, and his TV show back in the day was about yeah. that as well. So, um, yeah, so he was in that, and another film that he was in was also one of the good ones that I saw, which was called Them That Follow, and it's a film about um, uh, some young people in a community um, that is uh, also a community of um, snake handling Pentecostals in um, in the Appalachians, wow. uh, Appalachians, and he, it's about sort of, it's a really tender and very, very good dramatic portrait of a girl who's trying to figure out what her faith is. Uh, her father's the head of this church. There's sort of a love triangle, but it, it's an understated film that's really thinking about the nature of faith within the context of, um, you know, that particular sect of, of Pentecostalism. I see. Um, yeah. So because of that, because of Jim Gaffigan and that recognition amongst a certain percentage of the population, is there a chance that either them that follow and Light from Light will see, you know, their way into the to the movie theaters? Yeah, I, I think so. I think both of those films are pretty good candidates or possibly for streaming. You know, a lot of sure, these sure. films wind up on streaming services. Um, and, you know, Amazon and Netflix were both at the festival buying films to show for, you know, for later in the year. So a lot of these films will pop up on those sorts of services later. But I think, you know, having a big name is always helpful for a movie um, to, to bring it to a wider audience. And uh, obviously, Jim is one of those people who can do that for an audience. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how exciting must it be to be at Sundance and this, this like, smash of artistry and commerce and uh, relationship and connectivity, all those things together sort of swirling about you for more than a week. It, it had to be fascinating. It is. It's always really fascinating. It's always really exciting to hear from people who are just very excited about making art. You know, a lot of people will never become famous who have a film at Sundance. Um, only a small percentage of them really get seen outside of the festival circuit. But people are just really excited about telling stories and about trying to tell new, exciting, interesting stories, often about people who maybe don't typically show up in the movies that Hollywood makes for the multiplex. 
So seeking out Sundance movies can sometimes be a bit of a gamble. You never really know what you're going to get, but uh, it's also a gamble that's very exciting. That's cool. Alyssa Wilkinson is the film critic at Vox.com. Alyssa, tell us about uh, the documentaries that you saw since you were on the jury this year and you handed out awards. By the way, how many awards do you hand out? Um, I think we handed out six. Okay. All right. What did you see and what did you like? Um, So I mentioned Apollo 11, and I think that's a film that's going to have very broad appeal um, to a lot of people. It actually pairs quite well with that movie First Man from um, last year about Neil Armstrong. Um, This is sort of the documentary version of it. And what's great is that I think a lot of people are used to seeing these kinds of documentaries with talking heads and things like that. This is just the footage restored beautifully and spliced together. So you kind of live Mm -hmm. the moon landing along with everyone else. Um, and it's it's really lovely. I really liked that. Um, I also saw a film that will be it was purchased by Netflix called American Factory, and I would highly recommend this one. Um, it's about a Chinese glass company that makes glass for automotive purposes that um, bought a, a, a abandoned GM plant in Ohio, and a bunch of people got rehired rehired to work there for this Chinese company, and it winds up contrasting how um, the Chinese people who um, run the factory and work in the factory think about their work with um, the Americans. And it's Mm. actually very challenging. There's no way that you can kind of watch this and and come down on one side or the other as if someone's work ethic is better or different, but it it really challenges our notions of labor and work, I Mm. think, in some really interesting ways. Wow. Um, Yeah, and it's exciting to see movies like that popping up um and then you know i would there's a movie that um is called jawline that we gave an award to a first-time director who followed around a young man from tennessee who's trying to become a star a social media star um (laughs) they're doing these videos and it sort of turns into this examination of this world of social media stars um, and how the system has been built for them to attain fame very quickly at a young age and then sort of be dropped. Mm. And it's, so it plays a little bit like maybe an old-school Hollywood expose would have, but this one's quite a bit different and, and very moving in a lot of ways. Outstanding. Alyssa Wilkinson from Vox.com. Alyssa, uh, these are really incredible times to be alive and to be um, a, a lover of movies. Um, I, I remember growing up as a kid and feeling excited to watch, you know, the old movies on Sunday afternoon with my parents. And now, I mean, I mean, they're just it's everywhere. It's overwhelming the number of things you can see, you know, from your pocket and your phone to the big screen, uh, you know, whether it's at the multiplex or on your well, widescreen in your living room. I mean, how do you sort through this as a means of someone who makes their living as a, a critic and someone involved in the, the love of film? How do you process through all this? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first step is to recognize that you can't see all of it, so you have to kind of pick. Right. Um, I see about 300 films a year, and wow. I'm still behind. Wow. <laughs> so what I do, and I think what a lot of people do, is find a couple of critics who I really appreciate their opinion and think that they pick well mm. and try to follow with what they recommend. I see. And then also equally to go back and and try to find movies I might have missed, old movies, maybe watch a bunch of movies by the same director, or watch some films that come from a culture that's not my own um, in order to expand my vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, most things are available to us 
through one means or another right now. So we're really living in a time where we almost don't have an excuse for only sticking to a couple of movies that, you know, uh, that are being served up to us by Hollywood. We have so many options and um, so many good ways to spend our time. Right. Uh, so that's always been really great is to find some people who could recommend them to me. I see. So speaking of Hollywood, uh, the Academy Awards are going to be at the end of February. Uh, how does that work for you? I mean, what are you hosting? <laughs> Someone better. Right? I am not hosting. <laughs> I mean, so, um, so I mean, what Hollywood chooses to present and what finally makes it to the award show is not necessarily the best films of the year. That's right. Yeah. And this year, I really feel like some of the best films I saw this year and some of the worst films I saw this year are nominated for Best Picture. Um, you know, for me, the job is really to make sure each movie gets fair coverage, um, which means reviews and interviews, but also discussing it with other people and trying to sort out, you know, what does it mean if this film is the one that wins? What does that say about Hollywood or even about the country? Um, and which films are maybe worthy of it, which ones aren't, and why. Um, but for me, the next two and a half weeks or so is just a marathon of <laughs> writing and publishing. You know, hopefully a lot of informative stuff. One thing I like to do is write cheat sheets for people so that, you know, you may not have heard of most of the documentaries that are nominated, but I want to write them up for you and tell them how you can, tell you how you can see them in case you know, you want to catch up or you want to know what these are. So I that's see. a lot of the work that we do. And so when the award ceremony, the Academy Award ceremony takes place, you choose to view it how? With whom? I will be in New York with my colleagues at Vox. Uh, we'll be in the office watching it on a big screen and working because <laughs> we will, have to write the whole night. Will you be wearing gowns? Um, probably not. Okay. I think we might be we might be in sweatpants mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, but, but but still, you know, John and I have Oscar snacks that are important to us. I just wondered if you might want to plan ahead and figure out what your optimal snacks would be for that night. <laughs> right. Well, you know, one year we ordered um, Peruvian chicken. Oh, see, uh, that's a that's good snack. See, that's an unusual snack, mm-hmm. perfect for Oscar night. Sure I is. like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. A so, lot of sparkling cider. <laughs> Alyssa, if people want to join you, they can find you where. Um, I'm on Twitter all the time. Um, my handle is Alyssa Marie, and I also write at Vox.com, and you can find everything that I write there. Terrific. That's Alyssa Wilkinson giving us the latest on Sundance and a little peek ahead into the Academy Awards. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you. Winter is a fantastic time to replace windows and doors. Energy Swing's Donnie Dara on the value of a winter installation. Whenever you get windows and doors in the wintertime, it is actually a very warm installation. We take one window out at a time, you immediately put the new one in, and then most of the time is taken by finishing around the inside and finishing around the outside. And it's the same concept with a door. And prices are typically the best in the winter months. Typically, it's a slower season. A lot of suppliers have a lot of discounts. So we're off right now we have an additional $50 off per window and $250 off per door plus for the loyal word fm listeners when you get a new entry door you get a free ring doorbell the ring doorbell has really been a big thing and we give them away free with every front entry door that we install right now take an extra $50 off per window when you purchase six or more and $250 off per entry door or patio door over and above any current offers for word listeners only at energyswingwindows.com 
Rollerdrome.com. Now, on a brand new night, it's Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome. The first Wednesday of the month, join Kenny Woods and a live Word FM audience and skate to your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could win a free skate night for your family or youth group. Admission $7. Skate rental just three more. Pastors and youth pastors skate free. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome, beginning Wednesday, March 6th. Groups over 30 must register in advance. Email info at skatenrd.com. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lynn the inventor of MyPillow, is offering Word listeners his amazing four-pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium MyPillows along with two Go Anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code WORD at MyPillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code WORD at MyPillow.com and make MyPillow yours today. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. From the moment you met... It's as if you were custom-made for each other. Why should your jewelry be any different? Trinity Jewelers is the area's premier designer of custom jewelry that celebrates life's closest relationships, from breathing new life into a family heirloom to crafting a one-of-a-kind original out of nothing but imagination. Trinity's master craftsmen create affordable pieces that tell your own unique story. See how at trinityjewelers.com. Rain and even a thunderstorm around until just after midnight tonight. Windy and turning colder late, the low 33. Tomorrow, windy and colder with clouds giving way to sunshine. Temperatures will be falling into the 20s tomorrow. Brisk and much colder tomorrow night, the low 12 degrees. Then for Saturday, sunshine and some clouds and staying cold, high 27. I'm Mackie Weather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Holy smokes. 12 degrees? That's unfair. I driving with my windows down today. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, if you've been following along with the uh, governor of Virginia and the actually the three the top elected officials. Right, exactly, and the attorney general of I Virginia mean, and the deputy. Mess. So blackface is back in the news, which is shocking. We're going to talk to David French in a little bit about blackface. But um, uh, Gucci and Adidas have apologized for uh, their products. Uh, Gucci's apologized because they they <laughs> this is for like everybody you know hey I'm going to go buy something from Gucci which right it happens to all of us all the time Gucci has pulled an item an eight hundred and ninety dollar black knit woman's baklava balaclava ba- <laughs> yeah baklava <laughs> that's the dessert though <laughs> <laughs> so now that you say it that way I realize it does have all the same letters it does yeah so they've pulled a what is it balaclava balaclava that could be pulled up over the lower half of the wear. <laughs> Where's the face? I'd rather have a baklava. <laughs> okay, a balaclava is like it's a um, it's a hoodie. It, it's no, it's not a hoodie. It's a hat, but it covers your entire head and your neck, and you pull it down over your head, like for really cold weather areas. Okay. and all you have exposed are your eyes and your mouth, I or see. sometimes some of them expose your whole face. So the balaclava uh, includes bright red lips, ringing an opening for the mouth. Really. Which is a blackface sweater, essentially. Jeez. 
I mean, who would think that that would How be a good... How much does that cost? Uh, nine, $890. Please do not buy it. I mean, so apparently... John Hall Fashion Rules. Uh, they've, Gucci's apologized. They've pulled it and they said, my bad, basically. That's good. Adidas also made some crazy tennis shoes that cost $180 that uh, offend. I mean, what are people thinking? We're supposed to be living in a different age here. I don't know. Anyway, we'll take a break, come back. David French from the National Review, he's going to talk about blackface and apologies. Stick around for that. Be right back. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. serious about wanting to be your own boss and if you're serious about wanting to succeed your very first phone call should be to vanguard rob thomas is living proof of how quickly you can grow with vanguard cleaning systems proven model of success that's a shocking ain't it shock me <laughs> when i started it was me and my brother in a truck now i got two company trucks eight people that work for me and i got an office on Braddock Avenue, and that's in a year and a half they give me my first contract a company down on the north shore the next thing you know one turn to two two turn to three, three, turn to ten, because they got good reviews about my work. Makes me feel like I'm making a difference. The trainer was good. You get a lot of one-on-one time, FaceTime, and it's not like you go through training and that's it. They're always a phone call away. You want to go to Vanguard because they're going to put you in the best position to succeed. With Vanguard backing me, sky's the limit. To start your own janitorial business in the Pittsburgh area, call Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Western PA, 724-870-4120. Buying locally made products is a simple act that can have a tremendous impact on a local economy. Since our company was founded nearly 30 years ago, the Original Mattress Factory has offered quality mattresses that are hand-built in our own factories and sold directly to you. Plus, we're not just locally made. We are also locally owned by our employees who live, work, and play in the same communities as you. So stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the difference local makes for yourself right here in Pittsburgh. You know when you have about a billion things to do today, and then you realize you're out of whatever it is that you really need, and next day shipping isn't going to cut it because you really need it in like an hour. Yeah, that's when you turn to Office Depot Office Max. Buy what you need online at officedepot.com or on our app, and pick it up in store for free in just one hour so you can get back to whatever else is lurking on your to-do list. And now save big at the buy two, get one free event. That's buy two, get one free at Office Depot Office Max. Offer expires February 9th, 2019. JustPayHalfPittsburgh.com is the best place to find half-off deals for restaurants, events, and more. Right now, text JPH Radio to 21777 and receive an additional 20% off your first purchase. That's JPH Radio to 21777. Text and data rates may apply. If you're wondering how kids can be truly educated when God, Scripture, and prayer are removed from the classroom, well, wonder no more because you have choices nearby and you'll find them on the map at pittsburghchristianschools.net pittsburghchristianschools.net Few people have had as bad a week as the governor of Virginia because of the ridiculous remarks he made at the beginning of last week, Governor Northam uh, was roundly and rightfully criticized, talking about murdering a child outside of the womb. And then in response to that, someone went into Governor Northam's uh, medical school and found the yearbook where it was purported he was in blackface or in a white Ku Klux Klan hood. Now, he has since disavowed that, but it's brought up a lot of conversations about blackface. Joining us from the National Review is David French. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. 
So, David, talk to us about uh, blackface and forgiveness. There's been a lot of conversation since the uh, the photos have come out. And quite honestly, Governor Northam is not the, the only person who's appeared in blackface. More and more photos come out of celebrities and Hollywood types. And comedians all and that. entertainers and singers and dancers. And rightfully, people are upset about it. Uh, it is as racist as racist could be. What's your take on blackface and forgiveness? Yeah, you know, it's... Uh... Uh, it's an important conversation because we've got the Virginia governor, we've got the Virginia attorney general, we have uh, Megyn Kelly lost her job because she um, because she didn't really defend it. Essentially, said it was understandable that some people would make that mistake. I mean, it's it, but it connects with this larger issue of what happens when public figures, when bad things are unearthed by public about public figures in, in our society and. One thing we cannot do is have one standard of forgiveness for our friends and another whole standard of, of lack of forgiveness for our foes. Yes. And I like how my friend Ben Shapiro kind of laid out the choices. Yeah, and there's that, yeah there's I read. That yeah, that from, was a really good piece. Uh, he basically said, David, and tell me if I'm if I'm uh, uh, summarizing it well. He said, in a in a society that has increasingly secularized, we find ourselves without a God figure, and without a God figure, we are unable to understand the value of forgiveness and extend it to each other. Exactly, exactly. And what what we're seeing happen? He he laid out three scenarios, and I think two of them are kind of easy, and the one of them is hard, and the. The two that are easy is we should easily should forgive those people who disclose and repent when they don't have to disclose and repent. So the people who, who have made their past sin part of their story, and, and some, these are some of the most powerful stories in American life. Like no one warns against the evils of drug use better than a former drug addict. No right. one is more powerful in, say, talking about the perils of gang life than a former member of a gang. Right. And those voices are some of the most potent voices in our culture. And if we ever stop forgiving those people, we're in real trouble. Then the easy ones not to forgive are the ones who sort of, who must have serious consequences imposed are the ones who don't confess and lie, you know, who do something wrong and then lie about it. Um, but then there's this other category of person, the kind of people who have done things that wrong in the past. They know they did wrong in the past. They keep it hidden and then when it's un, when it's unearthed, they, they're you, you know you have the crocodile tears, and you don't know if they're sad because they were caught, <laughs> or sad because they did it and were ashamed. And those are the tougher cases. And in those, you know, I kind of think you, you got to look at the the whole course of the person's life. You got to look at the way that they re- they react when they are caught. And those are the harder calls. And in those circumstances, you know, you can have different different situations reach different conclusions. And with Governor Northam, I'm less inclined to be as forgiving here because his behavior has been bizarre. The actual blackface incident that triggered this was extremely egregious. Uh, And then the other weird thing about it is he spent much of his gubernatorial campaign sort of on his high horse accusing his opponent, who's an honorable man, of being racist. Wow. And so, and that's, with with that photo lurking in his background. So in that circumstance, it's harder for me to get there. Um, yeah, I'm with you 100%, David. I, I just can't imagine a governor of a state who 
whether he, you know, it's the guy in the photo or not wearing a black face or a white hood. I can't see how you can lead the state because daily you've got to stand up in front of your constituents, whether, you know, that's a, a, a percentage of black people, of course, who are part of the constituency and be the guy. So you lose credibility. Uh, and it, now it's a one term deal, right? The governor of Virginia does one term. He's he's two years into this term. Just fold it, leave it, apologize and move on to your other life. Well, I, you know, that's, I think that that's the right answer. The problem is the, the Democratic Party is in such a disarray in Virginia that the lieutenant governor has a sexual assault allegation right. hanging out there against him right now. And then the attorney general, who's number three in line, has his own blackface incident that he's confessed Holy to. I mean, it's one of, the more, one of the more bizarre things I've seen in public life. And so I think the reality is because of the scandals besetting the other two, then that makes it far more likely that Northam will just survive and it will just hang in there because he can justify it to himself by saying, well, I don't want to hand the the governor's mansion over to somebody who's subject to a sexual assault claim and then or to an attorney general who has his own blackface claim. And, And to make it even more bizarre, that attorney general, knowing he had that incident in his past, called on Northam to resign. Right. I mean, blackface, I mean, when you look at the history of blackface in this country and how it was used to belittle and put down the black black man, it's a horrible thing. And to think that, you know, we have moved beyond that, well, apparently not, because as late as the 1980s or more, when, you, of course, if you look at Hollywood celebrities, it goes on in the 21st century. There's got to be an end to it. It's got to be called for what it is, which is blatant racism. It doesn't help anyone to go out there and play the fool and think that you're just being funny and getting a few cheap laughs around Holly, around Halloween. You just got to put a stop to this. And if the governor's going to take the fall, he should take the fall now. Well, right. And, you know, the other thing is I've heard some people say, well, this was a long time ago. It's the 1980s. Well, yep. OK, I, I grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the South in the 80s. And we knew this was wrong then. Of course. And I guarantee you when he had that picture taken, he knew it was wrong. Without they knew it was wrong and they, they did it anyway. And so it's, it's a serious thing. And here, you know, here in, in my little utopia, here's what I wish would happen is that when someone first approached Ralph Northam in 2007 or whenever it was to run, and he's a pediatric neurologist, has a thriving practice, and he says, you know what, I'm good. I, I, I have these things in my past that could cause real uh, pain and disrupt the political uh, life of Virginia, and so I don't, I don't need to be in public office. Let somebody else do that who doesn't have the skeletons in the closet. But what we find again and again these politicians run with these outrageous acts lurking around in their background, and, and they actually have the hubris to think in this day and age that they won't be found out. Mm-hmm. And, and, but when it is, it's, it's dramatic, it's traumatic for our body politic, especially when we're so polarized, and yet they just keep doing it. They just keep coming up and... You know, I would say, why do they think that they can succeed like this? And But then I look and see the president of the United States. Right. So, I mean, there's reason to believe they can still handle written and win anyway. Yeah. We're talking to David French from the National Review. David, my question, though, is kind of, I guess, going back to the Ben Shapiro article you mentioned earlier, which is, so how do we, uh, none of us have perfect backgrounds. 
Um, and right. there are all sorts of mistakes that I don't even remember making that I'm sure I made. Um, and I was not on Twitter then. There weren't, you know, iPhones <laughs> everywhere. Right. So how is anyone right. who is 20 years old now, what in the world is their public future like if they choose to enter into politics or they choose to enter into entertainment? We have to come up with a way uh, – this is silly for me to say. We have to come up with a way to understand what forgiveness is or what repentance looks like. I mean, Jesus has already shown that to us. But again, as Mr. Shapiro wrote about, we have rejected that. I don't know where we go at this point, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But I suspect what we're going to end up with is a pretty permissive standard. Because what we're going to end up having is a whole host of people who've lived their lives out in public on Instagram and Twitter, who are going to be entering entering public life not too long from now. And it's going to be a target-rich environment. And so you're either going to have the misery of endless scandals regarding, you know, 18-year-old Instagram posts, or we're going to begin to reach an accommodation that says, okay, wait a minute, we're going to look at the person in total, mm-hmm. who they have been, who they are in, you know, the, the sort of the totality of their life as opposed to that particular snapshot. Because we cannot, cannot sustain an environment where we look at all of these individual snapshots and try to try to tar people on that basis. Or if we try to do it, or maybe we can, and maybe we're just going to settle for miserable politics from now and forever, <laughs> and, and double standards from now and forever. Right. And that could be that could be what we end up doing. Could be. But that's in the future. You know, however, if you are the governor of a state, you've got to show up every day and look at people in the eye and think, I'm working for you. If I'm an African-American and I look at the governor of Virginia, I think, that fool's not working for me. In his heart, he look, was... If I'm a white, if, racist. I, if I am living in Virginia, I'm thinking this guy's got to go. If not, for the unbelievably poor, he was going to, I mean, he, there was almost dancing that happened at one, but it's just, it's, the whole thing has been mishandled so horribly since the news broke. And I don't think it's a Southern thing. I just think it's a matter of the heart. Well, yeah. I mean, the way that he has handled this is almost a master class in how not to yes. handle I mean, he, he initially, his initial statement was, I did it, and I'm really sorry, and that's not who I am, which right. is about the best you can expect. Yes. Then he walks back, and he says, well, no, I didn't do it, and I know that I didn't do it because I remember this other time when I did do it, which is, <laughs> which is about like saying, uh, I definitely did not rob the first national bank because the bank I robbed was the third national bank. <laughs> and, exactly. And then, and then he has this almost frivolous news conference where he as you said, it looked like he was going to break out dancing in the middle of it. Oh. So that is that is not, you know, forgive me, Father, for I... <laughs> no, it's not. It's like, where's the space for my moonwalk? Because I'm going to do it now. Exactly. But his wife had the good sense to stop him. David, thanks an awful yeah. lot. We always appreciate your time. We didn't even us. get to talk about Elizabeth Warren no, and the Cherokee Nation. Okay, next. David French from the National Review. We'll take a break. Come back. Stick around. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. 
Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. I had a great time this morning with my dentist. She just made me feel so comfortable. To patients of Dr. Megan Stock, she's more than a great dentist. She's an answer to prayer. She makes you feel so calm. Didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth. We just love to talk about the Lord and what's going on in our families. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. She does fabulous work. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at Unbound.org. A 27-year-old Indian man, John is going viral after he announced on the internet that he was planning to sue his parents. Wait, this is a man from the nation. Exactly. Uh, Do you know why he's suing his parents? Why? He's claiming he did not give his explicit consent for his parents to bring him into the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Raphael Samuel said in a YouTube video posted Tuesday, he's suing his parents because he was conceived without his consent, mm. and therefore his parents should pay for his life. Oh, boy. Quote, oh, if we boy. are born without our consent, we should be maintained for our life. We should be paid by our parents to live. Oh, my gosh. Continuing, so, continuing on. Who raised that boy? Quote, I want everyone in India and the world to realize one thing. They are born without their consent. I want them to understand that they do not owe their parents anything. If we're born without our consent, we should be maintained for our life. We should be paid by our parents to live. And I would say to children, do not do anything for your parents if you do not want to. Holy smokes. Okay, well, this is you know, a particularly Indian worldview, right? Well, he is a follower of something called antinatalism, which is an increasingly popular and bizarre, and I'm reading here from Fox News, ideology that believes it is morally wrong for people to procreate mm. and takes a nihilistic approach toward human life. Of course. Well, An understatement. He lives in one saying. of the most populous countries in the world. Right. So he would have that, that viewpoint. Ironically, despite his intent to sue, the man says his parents have no hard feelings. Good. Um, his, uh, he shared a Facebook post supposedly from his mother that appears to welcome the challenge from their son, with her allegedly saying, I must admire my son's temerity to want to take his parents to court, knowing both of us are lawyers. Right. What they should do is kick him out of the house and say, when you come back, you must be a grown-up adult. Otherwise, please stay away. Just saying, that's all it is. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.